Welcome to Healing Talks Podcast. My name is Lori Pinkins. I am your host and life transformation coach. This episode is part of a series on how to regrow the relationship with yourself. On this episode, we will discuss the importance of fulfilling the commitments you make to yourself. Why is it important to fulfill the commitments to yourself? It's important because at some point you have to fully lock in and commit to your purpose and your healing process. You can't keep expecting others to commit to you while you have one foot in and one foot out of the process. Oftentimes we expect maximum results with minimal effort, but that's not how life works. You have to be dedicated and just make up your mind of what you're going to do and what you want out of life. Commitment requires consistency, discipline, determination, and endurance. Commitment is defined as the state of quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity. Ask yourself, when was the last time you fully committed to anything? Do you make excuses often? Do you procrastinate? Are you taking responsibility for your life and your actions? Are you blaming others and circumstances for why you haven't reached your level of purpose or healing? The book of James talks about how a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you do not commit, it shows up in the fruit that bears in your life. Your life is going to tell the true story of what you are spending your time on. I had to come to the realization that I needed to fully commit to my healing mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. When deciding to choose a healthier lifestyle and what I eat, I had to commit to the fact that the temptation to eat unhealthy foods is not going to go anywhere. I have to make the decision daily to say, I will choose foods that are healthier for me, that help me get to the ideal weight and image that I aspire to because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I can't continue to blame that the stores have sales and all the foods I want to eat or that foods that are unhealthy for me are readily available or smell good or taste good to me. <laughs> There's no one that I can blame for the foods that I choose to put into my mouth. This also goes for my spiritual and mental growth as well. I'm responsible for how much time I spend with God. For the thoughts that I allow, I have to take negative thoughts captive by the word of God. And in order for me to strengthen myself, that requires being a student of God's word. I was having a conversation with God about spiritual warfare and Holy Spirit was saying that the enemy is not our sparring partner. He is here to rob, steal, kill and destroy. The enemy does not want us to be committed to our purpose. He does not want us to be committed to our healing process. But oftentimes you hear people glorifying more of the challenges that they have from the enemy rather than speaking in the triumph that they are conquerors through Christ Jesus. 
God was explaining to me and just showing me how more people are glorifying what the enemy is doing and how he is coming against their commitment level instead of walking out being a conqueror through the word of God and that I needed to start to look at the procrastination and the distractions as a direct threat on my purpose in God that those things of me putting things off to another day or feeling as if we got all this time to waste was not the enemy trying to rob, steal, and kill and destroy something in my life. With success in any area in our life, it's really dependent upon our commitment level and our consistency. Sometimes you see the most talented people who are not committed because they lack discipline. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse 11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Your commitment level determines the amount of success that you reach in life. Why does God want us to be committed? to our healing and our purpose. God wants us to be committed because he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. God is faithful and he is just. God's words will never return back void to him. He watches over them to perform them. So as we deepen our commitment to walking out our purpose in God, God's word will fulfill itself in our life. As you decide to fully commit, do not allow other people's limitations to stifle your strength. Even when you are feeling weak, ask God for strength, for in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And you'll be able to tell other people's weaknesses based upon what they profess. When you're pursuing something that's difficult, you're, you may hear other people around you say things like, I could never do that. I would never do that. I can't do that. I don't believe that. Why are you doing that? Ooh, that's too hard for me. Allow for that to be too hard for them, but not too hard for you. You are anointed to destroy every Goliath in your life. You are anointed to conquer every mountain in your life. You are anointed to fulfill every dream and vision that God has placed in your heart. Your profession should be, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Find scriptures in the Bible for your vision, for your purpose, for what you're committed on. Write them on sticky notes, put them on the notes on your phone, Save them as a screensaver and and profess those scriptures over your life. So when the enemy tries to detour you from staying committed, you have the word of God hid in your heart. Even if the detours and distractions are coming from the people closest to you. Sometimes people are just afraid because they've never seen what you are doing done before. 
They want you to stay comfortable because commitment requires determination and endurance, which means the process will be painful. Breaking out of your comfort zone, doing things when you do not feel like it is not comfortable. Late nights, early mornings, studying a new subject, going to different places, developing new relationships, networking, all of these things push you outside of your comfort zone. And when people are comfortable with you being who you are, they will try to deter you or distract you consciously or subconsciously from fully committing. They'll say things like, why are you staying up so late? Why are you doing that? Why are you taking that class? Why are you driving that far? Why are you volunteering? Why are you giving? Don't do that unless somebody else is giving back to you. But you cannot allow for these distractions or deterrence to pull you off course from you fulfilling the commitments to yourself and to God. Even Christ had to endure the people around him who loved him, trying to deter him from fulfilling his purpose in the earth. Peter loved Christ, but when Christ started to talk about him having to be crucified, Peter made some comments and Christ had to rebuke him. Mark chapter eight, verse 31 says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. Sometimes you may have to tell people to be quiet. You may have to rebuke the Satan that's in them if they are trying to pull you away from staying fully committed to fulfilling God's purpose for your life. As you grow, as you heal, you have to understand that everyone is not growing at the same level. Oftentimes in society, you hear people saying, don't judge, stop judging people, stop looking down on people, don't condemn people. And that's true, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But there is something such as a righteous judgment, which is you look at people by the fruit that their life is bearing. When people are not on the same growth path as you, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, that does not mean you leave them behind. That may mean that you stop sharing your progress with them, that you continue on your path and grow and heal and allow for them to take their own journey as well. But stop trying to pull them and force them to be on a level that you're on. That does not mean you're better than them or that you look down on them. It, that just means that in your relationships, you have to start to establish new boundaries based upon their level of growth. You continue to pray for them, that they will come into the knowledge of Christ and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide them into all truth. However, you cannot engage in conversations where people are sowing seeds of doubt that will cause for you to be distracted and not fully commit. When you do not fully commit, you have one foot in, one foot out. 
you're always wavering, you're double-minded. And in Revelations, it talks about how God himself does not want us to be lukewarm because he will spit us out. Lukewarm means to show little enthusiasm. You're not hot nor cold. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold or hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew ye out of my mouth. We have to fully commit. You have to fully commit. Get in the game or get out the game. When you fully commit to God's purpose and plan for your life and your healing, you will see the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness. You'll see the fruit of Holy Spirit. When you do not fully commit, when you're lukewarm, you'll see the fruit of the flesh, double-mindedness, confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. James chapter one, starting at verse five says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and embrighteth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The reason why the enemy wants you to be one foot in, one foot out, and not fully commit is because he knows the word of God better than most believers. When you do not commit, you pray amiss. When you do not commit, you're confused. When you do not commit, you give up, you lack endurance and you lack tenacity, discipline, and determination. So how do you fully commit? You fully commit first by transforming your mind. You have to renew your mind, having the mind of Christ. The carnal mind cannot interpret spiritual things. When you start to pursue your purpose in God, that's not according to your flesh. So the attributes of your flesh are not gonna get you there. The same things that you used to do are not going to work anymore. It requires for you to spend time in the presence of God through prayer, worship, and fasting and reading the word of God. You're able to fully commit by casting down every wicked imagination that rises itself against the knowledge of God. Any negative thought that comes towards you that tells you that you can't do it, that wants you to get to give up, that wants you to question everything, you know the fruit of that is the enemy. So you combat that with the scriptures of the Bible. One good one is to say, I will not grow weary and well-doing for I will reap in due season because I will not faint. Another way to commit is to decide. You have to decide that you're not gonna give up. You have to decide that you're gonna follow through. No one else can make that decision for you. It's a personal walk between you and God. Next, in order to fully commit, you have to write the vision and make it plain. What are you committing to? Why are you committing to it? Where do you see your life headed? What do you want to see in the future? What do you want from life? 
What is your purpose in God? God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. So before you go to a YouTube channel, a guru, a book, it is important for you to sit at the feet of Jesus to ask God, what is my purpose? God, why am I here? And oftentimes your purpose is found in what comes easily to you. Use the gifts that God has blessed you with to glorify his name. If you are a good cook, as you cook for people, share the gospel. If you work well with other people, share the word of God with people. Primarily, it's about fulfilling the commitments also that you've already made. That you've already made to yourself and to God. It's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. If you have made any vows that are outside of God's will, pray and ask God for forgiveness for making them, repent for making them, and then ask God to break those vows. Sometimes we make vows and don't even know it. You tell people, I'm going to call you back. Yeah, I'll come over and help do that. Sure, I'll volunteer. Yeah, I'll give back to that. Do not make vows unless you are able to fulfill them. Be very intentional with your words because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And because the enemy is a legalist, anytime you make a vow and you do not hold true to that commitment, you are still liable for that commitment. So the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He goes in the courts of heaven and will accuse you and accuse you until you repent and ask God for forgiveness for a vow that you have openly made but did not hold true to. Sometimes that can be the reason for confusion as well. Your mind is confused because you're being accused by the enemy of not being a person who keeps their word, of not being a person who's able to be determined, focused, and diligent because in the past you did not hold true to the vows that you made just by speaking casually to other people. It is repentance should be a part of your daily life and also being intentional with your words should start to become a part of your daily practice as you change your mind frame to being a person who holds true to the commitments that you make to yourself and others. One primary way to start to fulfill your commitments is to take responsibility for what you have control over. You can no longer blame other people for why you haven't reached or accomplished certain things in life. It's not productive to always look for people to blame instead of taking responsibility. Oftentimes, it really frustrates me when I hear people talk about things that aren't going right in society. And they'll spend days, years, months just talking about the problem, but never trying to be a part of the solution. Never saying, hey, I'll be the one to take responsibility over that, over that area to make sure that people are discipled to Christ in that area. So, for example, if you see that there are food deserts in your neighborhood, maybe you can be a part of volunteering at your local food bank or even starting your own food bank. But instead, you hear people sit around and complain all day about, oh, there's no grocery stores in our neighborhood. Now, am I staying there are not certain socioeconomic things that are in play in our society 
that hold people back and do not allow for them to obtain certain goals. Yes, that is very true. However, if we come together as a collective and start to take responsibility for our lives, for our families, for our generations and communities, that's when you truly see change. An example of this is Esther. In the book of Esther, Esther was a Jew who became queen. And there was a man who worked for her husband, the king, his name was Haman. He set a decree to kill all the Jews. Well, because Esther was a Jew, she will be killed as well as her family. So her uncle Mordecai wrote to her saying, you must petition the king in order for this decree to not go through to persecute the Jews. Now, at first, Esther went back and forth with Mordecai like, I can't even go before the king without being summoned because I may be put to death. She kept making excuses back and forth until Mordecai brought to her attention like, look, Either you going to do something or God going to raise somebody else to do it. But don't think that just because you don't do anything, that's going to allow for you to escape any type of judgment or persecution that comes towards the Jews. So Esther decided in that moment, you know what? I'm done complaining. I'm done making excuses. I'm done trying to blame other people. I'm done trying to make get other people to do what I'm in position to do. I'm going to petition the king in order for the Jews not to be persecuted. So Esther immediately called herself and the Jews to go on a three-day fast. After that fast, she petitioned the king to go into his court to speak with him. She, It was a beautiful story. I would definitely suggest for you to read the entire book of Esther. It won't take you long to read. But Esther fasted. She went in front of the king, petitioned for him to have a banquet for her and Haman. She exposed to the king all that Haman had planned and essentially Haman got hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for the Jews to be persecuted on and Esther saved her people. The point of that is that Esther took responsibility once she realized there was nobody else to blame. When you are deciding to fully commit and follow through, you'll realize there's nobody else to blame. You are responsible for the direction of your life. And once you take that responsibility, you realize how much power you have to not only change the trajectory of your life, but to influence and change the trajectory of everyone's life that you of everyone's life that you have proximity to and that you have influence over your children, your family, your neighborhood, your generations. It's about changing from that victim mentality that life is happening to you, happening to you, to I am more than a cockroach through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ. So we're going to pray, and this prayer is going to be on LoriPinkins.com. Say this prayer until it becomes your prayer, and it becomes a declaration to say, I will fully commit and no longer procrastinate. Most gracious and kind Father, we come before your throne of grace, just giving you the glory, honor, and praise. You said enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. So we just praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the vision, the purpose and plan for our life, Lord God, for your name to be glorified in the earth, Lord God. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus that we will be committed, determined, and disciplined. 
we will be a people of honor and integrity. We will represent you in excellency, Lord God, that any commitment and vow that we make we will fulfill fully. We will be mindful of our words, knowing that the power in life and death is in the tongue. We will not grow weary in well-doing, but we will reap in due season if we faint not. We ask you, Lord God, for our strength and our weaknesses, and that we'll be courageous, we will be strong, for we know that you will be with us wherever we go. We know, Lord God, that we will mount up on wings as eagles. We will run and not be weary. We will not walk and not faint. We trust in you, Father, that you are rewarded to those who diligently seek you. So we'll be students of your word. We will study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, allowing your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we fulfill our commitments to ourselves and to you first, God. We know, Father, that if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. So we will not worry. We will not fret. We cast down, annihilate, crush every worry, every doubt, every fear that causes us to procrastinate, that causes us to push back our commitments, that causes us to push back deadlines. For we will run the race that is set before us with endurance and patience, knowing that as we let patience have our perfect work, we will be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So we will not grow weary when the commitments seem strenuous or beyond our strength, capacity, or control. For we know, Father, that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So we transform our mind, God, to a mind of determination, to a mind of focus, laser focus, Lord God. We ask for supernatural focus on our commitments that you would reveal to us divine strategy on what goals to set, how to set them, and how they will be fulfilled. We ask you, Lord God, for a divine revelation and destiny helpers to help us along our path to fulfill our purpose in the earth as we fully commit. We decree and declare that we are fully committed to your purpose and plan for our life. And we just thank you, Lord, and we love you. We praise and bless your holy name that your word will bear fruit in our life. Holy Spirit will bear fruit in our life. Our commitment level will bear fruit in our life for your name to be glorified. All these things we ask in your precious son, Jesus' name. We bind all backlash and retaliation from the enemy. Any counterattacks in the name of Jesus, we bind them up in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus over this prayer. All these things we ask in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace and remember everything the enemy had planned for your life is going up in smoke. Until our next episode, be blessed.